You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to the Pixels and Ink Podcast, episode 279, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and joining us today uh, are another colorful cast of regulars. We've got on the board, Brendan Fry. Hello there. Uh, joining us remotely today, we have the amazing Phil Brown. That's me. Hey, hey. Hey, Phil. And... Joining us also today, fresh off of the Game of the Year podcast, we have Jordan Biordi. It's nice to be here. <laughs> Again. Jordan so I can see you're I excited. To I hear you cough. <laughs> you sound very under the weather. Are you did you get the uh malaria transitional post holiday malaria? Maybe. Ah, pumpkin. That's what happens when you walk outside shirtless in the snow. You should not do that. Um, Not in Canada. Well, I I figured I was so hot it would just melt around me, but, you know. Yeah, that obviously didn't work. (laughs) Lesson learned on that one. Phil's the only one who can get away with that. That's incorrect. (laughs) Don't sell yourself short, Phil. You know it's true. No, it's just scientifically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> That's on the Pixels and Ink podcast. We are all about the science. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good that we have uh, the science advisor, Phil Brown, here today. <laughs> please, Appreciate it. Please How do we know otherwise? that title? <laughs> science advisor, Phil Brown. No, I'm no, changing no, that no, on the no, website. No, too. no, 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 no. I don't want that. <laughs> all right. So. Um, because it's the end of the year and we're doing our, uh, of the year, best of 2017 wrap up. Uh, we have our second in our two part series coming fresh off of games of the year from the last podcast. We have our movies of the year, uh, led, uh, led by our amazing Phil Brown. And if you haven't already had a chance to check this out on cgmagonline.com, you should check out Phil's best of 2017 genre films uh he's got a really fantastic collection of movies that he thought were the best and honestly phil's got a great sensibility about these sort of things i always trust you for movies phil hey thank you except for horror because they're too scary well, you know, <laughs> what can you do yeah so we're gonna do it like this phil's gonna lead our countdown this time because uh it's it's phil and he's awesome and he represents a voice for this and uh then we're gonna kind of jump in with our own top fives um and it'll be pretty awesome. So, Phil, start us off with number 10. What's your number 10 movie of 2017? Right, right. Well, first, I just should clarify, I this list is specifically the top 10 genre movies. So I kicked out all those drama and, and art house films that I would normally poison this list with. So this is just ones oh. that are either comic, horror, action. Either something had to blow up or someone had to die or there had to be a monster for this for these movies to you're, qualify. So You're missing this, but Brendan's ha- representing the internet with his meltdown. He just threw his phone on the floor. He actually just left. <laughs> That's a real so, shame. That's a I real know. shame. But I just wanted to clarify that, and now we can get right into it. So the, Let's get right in. Number 10. The 10th movie that I picked was Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. Good All right. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. 
Yeah, which was uh, yeah a great superhero movie. It says a lot that there the, about this year that there were actually superhero movies that were both above and below this on my list. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this was just you know obviously Wonder Woman was long overdue to get to the movies. Um, this year was a particularly potent year for it to happen, which obviously no one could have planned for. Specifically, Brett Ratner who helped produce it, but that <laughs> ended up happening. And uh, and and so it, it had it carried a certain amount of symbolic weight to it, but beyond that, it was actually just incredibly fun and well put together. Uh, Patty Jenkins, who had never really done action before, uh, did a, a really impressive job, sort of uh, finding ways to show off what uh, Diana could always do. In particular, the like sort of World War One storming the <clears throat> storming no man's land and then destroying that small town were particularly just fantastic. Were probably amongst the best superhero just action mm-hmm. set pieces of the year. It also like very, very cleverly made all its comments on, uh, uh, you know, gender politics that were very necessary to happen right now without it, you know, jamming those messages down anyone's throat. They were just very cleverly incorporated in the material in a way that felt natural um, and in a way that ended up resonating, even though when they made the movie, they couldn't have predicted specifically the time and place that this movie would be released on. There was a lot of weight on the shoulders of everyone involved in making a Wonder Woman movie, and it would have been very, very easy to screw up. But I thought they did a really wonderful job. Do I wish that there was a less generic villain uh, in the climax? Of course I do. But that, what can you do? <laughs> That's just unfortunately how most of these movies go, especially when we're in origin ter- territory. Mm-hmm. But I thought this set a great standard for a potential franchise. It was, you know, a real uh, kick in the leg for the DC uh, film universe over at Warner Brothers, with other, which otherwise would have had a really horrendous uh, wound licking year this year. So uh, that yeah. was positive. And also just Gal Gadot proved that she could easily handle this role and carry these movies, which yeah. I was always a fan of hers from the Fast and Furious franchise. But that didn't really require the dramatic weight or symbolic importance uh, that, you know, playing a, a Wonder Woman hat. But I thought she handled that as well as anyone could. And uh, I'm excited to see what they do with this character going forward, specifically if they actually have an invisible jet, which I really hope they do. I, I really want Gal Gadot riding around an invisible jet. That sounds yeah. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I just want to see how they realistic. Could... Oh, yeah. Yeah, how they could possibly incorporate it into this gritty Wonder Woman universe. I I mean, yeah, I just I want to see them try at least. And I want to see them oh, do yeah. it like really campy. Like I want to just see like Gal Gadot sitting like stationary just flying through the air. Absolutely. I don't know how else you do it. That's the Absolutely. way you do it. That was always the very the most bizarre thing about Wonder Woman's invisible jet was I understand the stealth aspect but they should have found a way for it to be invisible with her inside as well, rather than just having a floating yeah. Wonder Woman flying around. That always struck me as being a bit of a target. Didn't DC yeah, didn't... Uh, like kind of change Diana's power set and they, they gave her the ability of flight after a while? Yeah, her power set's always been murky. Um, a lot of that due to the fact that in the 50s, uh, she was stripped of all her power because the powers that be felt that Wonder Woman was too powerful and creating a bad mm-hmm. example for ladies, which, you know. How dare they? We can say everything we want to say about that. But uh, yeah, so ever since then, it's been kind of a bit more up in the air and they've played around with it a few times. So uh, it's, yeah, her powers are about as set in stone as Superman's, which is just sort of whatever she needs at the time she has. And fair enough. 
Yeah. yeah. Why I mean, not? they can always tie it back to the Greek mythology too. Just give her like the boots of Icarus and boom, she can fly. Touche, touche. And it's also worth noting at this point, there was actually another really good Wonder Woman this year, which was Professor Marsden and the Wonder Woman, yes. which is about the creator of Wonder Woman and the uh, polyamorous relationship. He was in with a groundbreaking feminist professor and a young lady who enjoyed uh, aberrant sexuality. Uh, which fed <laughs> directly into Wonder Woman in a variety of ways. They, in fact, he even at one point uh, was gifted by them a clear plastic model jet, which also worked its way into the mythology. So it's a, it's a, it, it was really, really well done. It's very funny, very playful, very thoughtful, and also just sort of presents uh, both like the very bizarre backstory to Wonder Woman that not a people not a lot of people know about, and also the battle to maintain that uh, character's integrity that they ultimately lost. So. Also, we're checking out. Cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Good choice yeah. for number 10. Oh, I like it. Okay. okay. So Good. now it's number 10. What's number nine? Number nine was It, the long-awaited uh, adaptation of Stephen King's epic horror tome. Um, yeah. A lot of people sort of assume there was a classic version of that for years. But as we, I believe, even had this discussion on this very po- podcast, the version with Tim Curry was actually a TV movie. And more yeah, importantly, it blew one, all of our minds. Yeah, that and, we and all more, walked away disillusioned that day. For sure. And more importantly, beyond Tim Curry's performance, which is excellent, and and the scenes that he's in, it has not aged particularly well. So no. it was long, <laughs> long overdue actually getting a proper film of this that could actually be R-rated, could actually do the type of material the book said in involving children. Um, and they were able to do it. Um, we can thank Stranger Things for that and, and Stranger Things stealing ideas liberally from it to make it more palatable. And uh, mm. yeah, I thought it was very well done. Uh, I thought the young performers were great. I thought uh, Peter Skarsgård's uh, Pennywise somehow did actually manage to make me at least forget uh, Tim Curry's performance for a little while, which I didn't think was possible. And um, I particularly the director, uh, Andy Muschietti, who made Mama um, with Guillermo del Toro a few years ago. He really mm. used it as a show, as a like directorial showreel for every type of sort of cinematic horror you can do it was really effective it really captivated people and best of all i think like they this movie um i think is the ideal version of it that it's both a best and worst case scenario in that uh the book is is really really indulgent and overblown oh yeah and it was definitely written in a cocaine haze during uh (laughs) cocaine period um where no idea was was too crazy to put in and uh, the second, in fact, there's an infamous orgy chapter that was left out of this uh, this book, uh, the, this movie, I, for I, very I good for reason. Yeah, yeah, for very good reason that's not in there. But uh, the book really kind of goes off the rails in the second half. There are a lot of like really intriguing ideas in it because it, when all the characters return as adults, it becomes about uh, childhood trauma. It can all be viewed as a large metaphor for uh, you know, molestation or being beaten or bullied um, that can be really quite potent. But unfortunately, it's just also not quite as effective. Um, you kind of burned all the really, really strong visceral horror movie, uh, movie material in the first half. So I feel like this is the ideal version because we basically get all the good stuff in it and none of the nonsense that comes afterwards, particularly when he gets into some sort of bizarre uh, fourth dimensional spirituality nonsense that I don't quite understand. I'm very, very curious to see what they do with the second half. Obviously, this movie is... A gigantic hit it's the now oh, the most successful uh horror uh film theatrically of all time uh so they're gonna make part two i hope they make dramatic changes in the same way that this was incredibly faithful because if not it's gonna be a real letdown but either way we at least have this which is the sort of ideal 
version of it to exist. Just the good stuff. What do you guys think yeah. of it? Uh, I actually I loved didn't it. see it. I loved it. I, thought, I think it, it, as you said, I think it did the best. It kind of took the best and left the worst on the um, from the original story. Mm-hmm. And I think that really kind of makes the uh, overall experience much more an engaging, uh, engaging watch. I think they could have went a little bit too overblown with it. And I did like the fact they didn't try to mix the adult and the kid uh, sections in one movie and actually separate those out into two different movies. I think that's the best mm-hmm. way to take that sort of storyline. Cause I can, if they did do that, I feel that some of it could get lost. You'd have that weird cliffhanger ending. And I think they did kind of, they capped it off at a good point and they kind of bring it back for the next film with a completely different cast and a different way of kind of taking the story. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, that was the problem with the TV movie too, is that like, because it kept jumping back and forth between perspectives, like the, it, it was, it didn't have a lot of focus, right? It was kind of all over the place and you could never really like enjoy one like tone for too long right before it just completely shifted to something else Mm -hmm. totally yeah 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 so at least we got rid of that this time so anyway yeah i thought that it's probably i I think it was best case scenario for an it movie i'm very very curious to see what they do and i do not have high hopes for where it's going but you know we'll see they're obviously warner brothers is going to throw as much money as they want at that project the guy that in fact the guy that produced it uh, has t- is now in charge of all the DC movies as well. So just oh, okay. to show you how fondly they think of it these days. Um, oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, uh, number eight. It, and then, yeah, my number eight choice was uh, the other comic book movie on this list, uh, which is Thor Ragnarok. Which mm, good choice. I previously um, always thought Thor was kind of the thorn in the side of the whole Marvel universe, uh, aside from his like group appearances in Avengers movies. I found they, they just had a really hard time deciding whether they wanted to make him kind of a campy slapstick figure or mm. be a serious Norse god and try to build their own Lord of the Rings mythology out of it. And the other two, while they each the, the previous two Thor movies, while they had the mom, moments, didn't quite work. Whereas this one, I thought was great. I mean, their best decision was obviously hiring Taika Waititi, who did uh, What We Do in the Shadows and a few other really fun, interesting movies from New oh, Zealand. And he turned it. He turned oh. it into like just a like ridiculous cartoonish uh, slapstick version of Thor, which was really the way to go. It was also a movie that like actually w- was willing to make big dramatic changes mm-hmm. in the mythology rather than resetting everything at the end, which is sort of a first for uh, these Marvel movies and most likely a sign of things to come in the next phase or whatever. Yeah, um, it is a little shaggy and you can k- kind of tell that there's the, the entire plot involving Kate Blanchett's. Uh, sort of mysterious sister character feels like it was what was established and had to be the Thor part three. And then everything involving Jeff Goldblum's wacky planet was sort of like a guardian unofficial guardians of the galaxy sequel with Thor starring Thor and uh, uh, the Hulk. Yeah. Um, And you can feel the creaks in that, but overall it's just so goofy and funny and visually expressive and actually like has some layers to it if you care to look for it. And I think, I like I'm shocked that a Thor movie ended up being one of my favorite uh, blockbusters mm. of the year. I never would have seen that coming. Yeah. And uh, I think they did really something really, really fun here. I'm totally with you on that one. I mean, like the first two Thor movies, I'm going to be completely honest, were just not very notable to me. I mean, I, I couldn't mm. recall a scene right now if I had a gun to my head. But like the fact that I was super excited, like when you mentioned that uh, what TT had taken over the the property itself and then because what we do in the shadows became has become one of my favorite movies uh, as of recent years and just mm-hmm. his humor 
it, he made it as like he brought all of that like just very like um every every man kind of watching sort of scenario to it with all his jokes and it just mm-hmm. felt really just just fun and it it felt like a brand new breath of life was breathed into the franchise i agree which mm-hmm. i loved i i was ex- actually excited about seeing another one when the movie was over yeah totally it was it was really smartly like self-aware of how ridiculous of it all is and completely unafraid to destroy everything that didn't work about previous thor movies which was nice yeah to see. absolutely how about you jordan you got any uh needless complaints about this one uh, I actually haven't gotten around to seeing uh, oh, Thor really? Ragnarok. I'll oh. be honest; it was uh, it was on my list. Why you were so I just, quiet? I just yeah. never got around to it. And I, I mean, I really wanted to because, like, I'm kind of in the same boat that like Lisa's in. I personally, I never really cared about Thor like outside of the movies or anything like that. So, like, I I skipped the first Thor movie altogether, and the Dark World was pretty forgettable. Um, yeah, it wasn't very good, but you know. I, I I kind of agree with you, Phil. Like like Thor's presence in the Avengers has been like good enough. Um, so like hearing all like how how funny and just like lighthearted and just like the the complete shift in tone that like this movie had. Like I was really excited to go see it. I mean, it, it kind of made me laugh at first because I was being cynical and it was like, oh, it just it just took Thor blatantly being Guardians of the Galaxy to suddenly get good. Mm-hmm. But like you know, that sounds uh, like thing you'd say. <laughs> well, you, come on, it, the the trailers didn't hide it. The, the '80s aesthetic, like the music, it's it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, like with starring Thor. Let's be honest. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, you but know the what? fun movie is a fun movie. But I, I, you know what? I honestly don't think the trailers did the whole thing justice. Like I didn't feel. I felt like there was almost a disconnect between the tone. Like I got it. But it didn't really feel like that in your face in the actual movie. It, yeah. it felt like it was not like a giant nostalgia 80s blah, 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 neon scene in the whole thing, which is kind of yeah, great no, I because I, I, like you, I was totally like put off by that. I wasn't per- put off by it per se. Like it just made me laugh. But then like I had heard like nothing but good things about it. Like, like a lot of people after coming out of it told me like it's like it's really nothing uh, like like uh gardens of the galaxy like and it does still feel very much like a thor movie but like it's just like way more fun and way more um you know in the spirit of what thor kind of was like it's it it plays more loose with that sort of like sci-fi norse like craziness that was going on in like a lot of the thor comics Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. totally cool yeah. All right. All right. So, so we're going to take a break from the list and we're going to uh, talk to uh, Jordan for your personal top five of 2017. So all right. what were the movies you were the most excited about for 2017? Well, I, okay. So starting at the, at my, my number five was Lego Batman. Um, you know, Good I've choice. loved Batman a lot my entire life, um, and it's always kind of well. You know, not to say that Batman Batman's only been has really only been the only like marketable thing that Warner Brothers has ever put out in movie form. Um, but like, you know, I feel like the 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 Nolan movies kind of brought Batman down to like, you know, a dark place or not even dark like you know because Batman is dark, but just sort of like you know. 
dark in a way that's not really uh, enjoyable to watch. Um, and yeah. then, you know, Batman mm -hmm. v Superman just really like took it to a whole new level. So it was really, really fun to see like, like a, like a, a genuine kind of comedy take on not only just like the Batman mythos, but also just like the sort of like where Warner brothers is as a film, for, like as a cinematic universe, uh, building machine right now. Like the movie took so many shots and took like, took just took the piss right out of uh, Warner Brothers and like the and the, the DC Cinematic Universe. And it was like, it was just, it was, it was great to see it because like, yes, Batman has always been a dark character, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean he can't be fun. Like you, he doesn't always need to be this brooding, my parents are dead character. Like you can have a little bit of fun with them. You can, you can, you can, you know, take an, uh, 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 an adaptation of him where like maybe he's kind of you know dealing with his trauma and he's actually like in a place where he's okay with it like kind of like the batman animated series did yeah and, and so like there there was that really good side of it too and then just like just just like how great it was when they did that kind of like pseudo romantic relationship between batman and the joker like their villain relationship is kind of like a like a couple's relationship. Like I I lost it at that scene where where Joker's like I hate you. I just want you to say you hate me back. And Batman's like, well, you know, I I just I don't like you. I, I you know I don't just hate one guy, Joker. <laughs> that was hysterical. So like yeah, no, it was it was it was great. And it was like it was a lot of fun. Like you know, it's no secret that uh, that Batman was one of the standout characters in the Lego Movie. So this, the fact that he could hold a movie on his own was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say I I love it too. I I tried I tried to fit it on my top ten list, but I just ran out of slots. But yeah, no, what I love about it is that I feel like uh, like Batman. There's just something about the the mythology of Batman that just resonates profoundly with the culture. And what I find that like, as times change the, like whatever Batman is popular, whatever Batman is popular time sort of suits that era. So like in the, you know, drugged up swing in sixties, we got goofy Adam West uh, and the <laughs> like more like uh, in the cynical nineties, we got Tim Burton's version followed promptly by uh, like a disastrous pop version along with the animated series, which sort of captured the essence of the character really beautifully. And then, you know, in the, the millennial post nine 11 era, we got a very angsty, very grounded, very serious uh, uh, Chris Nolan Batman. And then I was kind of disappointed by the, like the Zack Snyder version, which just felt to me like it was sort of like a 12 year old boy's fantasy of what a dark comic book character means yeah. in a good way that it was nice to, that we got this Lego Batman version, which once again, went back to being goofy, which I feel like we had to do just because, we kind of got burned out on dark Batman there. And then also at the same time did, was this grand satirical piss take on, you know, where we're at as a culture in terms of this glut of comic book blockbusters and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or what it all means. And I thought it was really funny and appropriate that uh, a Batman movie would do all that. Um, and oh, with Legos, no less, which are adorable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I was just super happy that there was another Lego movie that came out so close to the other uh, to the original uh, Lego the movie um, that I actually enjoyed. I thought that the original Lego movie was just going to be like a one hit. OK, that'll be great. So when I had the opportunity to sit down and actually watch Lego Batman, I was all set up for like, OK, sequel, 
garbage. It's going to be terrible. I'm on a plane. I don't care. Uh, and I actually sat down and enjoyed it because for all the same reasons that you guys are saying, it's it's just a, it, it kept it carried over that same refreshing humor that um, just just maybe kind of fall in love with the character of Batman again, yeah. especially. Yeah. As you were saying, especially since we got that Zack Snyder Batman who was. I don't know, man. So nondescript, especially after we just had Nolan's. It just it there was nothing in between to kind of make you care about a dark Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I a palette cleanser. Yeah, palette. How cleanser. was that Ninjogo movie or whatever? I heard it was really good. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. like, I was about to say, like the Lego movies so far, like from what I've like seen and heard, have been really consistent. Phil, do you have anything to say about the Ninjogo nope. movie? I didn't screen for critics, and I didn't see it after that. So I, <laughs> um, I've heard from a, a lot of people that it's good, and it's pronounced yeah. Ninjago. Okay, it's Ninja and Lego Ninjago. So yeah. shouldn't it be Ninjago? No, because the ninja part has like to come Lego? first. Like Lego, ninja. Just slapping go. Ninja. Lego. You're just slapping go on ninja. Yeah, exactly. Ninja Ninjago. Well, I well for every term, I have exclusively heard negative things. So there you really? go. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> well, All right. Uh, you know, to each their own. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So yeah, um, me neither. Yeah. I can't really comment. So what are your other four? All right. So moving to number four, my number four pick was Logan. Yeah. Because yeah. holy crap. Like it's amazing to me that they've made um what was it three, four, five, six, seven eight X-Men movies and only two of them have been really good. And one of them was Deadpool. Um, <laughs> That's incorrect. There are at least two others that are great. No. Uh, X-Men two and, uh, uh, and, and, and days of future past and uh, first class are all good. Well, first class, yes. And then Logan. And that's where my lists of good X-Men movie stops. Cool. Um, I don't know. I personally, I, I don't know. I didn't really like uh, Days of Future Past too much. Uh, it yeah. felt a lot. It felt too much like the original trilogy to me. And that's exactly why I didn't like it. Like First Class really felt like something completely different. And that's mm-hmm. exactly why Segway, Logan was so goddamn good because it was like something you've never, we've never gotten really out of a, out of a X-Men movie. You know, like it was dark. It was like moving in a lot of ways deeply emotional like just like a a really great story about like uh, like you know about sort of moving on and letting go but then you get these star performances from like fine like it it, it, it is a, a actually kind of heartbreaking i think someone else said it too and i completely agree with it like that you know out of like was like two decades of um uh, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart playing these characters and this is the one time like their final performance that they actually got to do something that was like like I would arguably like Oscar worthy like it was like it, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm having a hard time finding words about it like it was just so good I mean, I, I I could see what you're saying. I don't Oscar worthy. Uh, it is it, people have been pushing to have it as a nominee for the Oscars, but we'll see. Um, but no, I, do I don't think, think it'll ever get there. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like the, their performances in those roles, like they actually got to to yeah. do something interesting with the characters, as opposed to just here's Wolverine being Wolverine. Here's here's Professor X just being Professor X again. Like I'm happy they seen did that, that four other times. I'm happy they did that before the Marvel uh, merger because I don't see Logan happening after the Marvel merger. I just don't see oh, that no, that level yeah. of violence being in the Marvel universe. 
Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, I, as long as they continue making the amount of money those movies are making, Disney will mm. have no problem making R-rated movies and putting a Fox banner on it so it doesn't look like Disney anymore. We'll see. Um, I, I love no- Logan as well, for sure. I think it kind of burns itself out and runs out of ideas towards the end. Oh, I yeah. Very smart and very mature. And it just I thought it was just interesting that, like, the, you know, ever, ever since the Christopher Nolan uh batman movies there's been talk about well now we can make superhero movies for adults and this felt like the first time that someone actually picked yeah. up that gauntlet and ran with it and well, yeah. actually it's great to see it happen with wolverine because i don't even think wolverine was ever treated with this type of level of intelligence and sensitivity in the comics as far as i've yeah, read exactly so i think yeah, that I they i think they did something really special here and in particular i thought patrick stewart was amazing and it was nice you know to see not that he wasn't good in the other x-men movies he uh, he always was it's just he the nature of the role just meant that he just had to seem like stoic and responsible whereas this actually let him sort of show some cracks in the lining and deliver something really quite painful and beautiful and yeah i think yeah like i said other than the fact that i think it's a little too long and i think it doesn't quite know what to do with the end other than the absolute final moment i think it is really great and it's actually coming up on my list so wait a second cool (laughs) sorry phil it's okay that'll speed us up later um, okay, so moving on to number three for me was Get Out. Um, oh, good choice. I want to be very careful about how I talk about this movie as a white man of privilege, <laughs> relative <laughs> privilege. But no, like it was it was incredible. Um, like what a what a smash hit for Jordan Peele's uh, first movie. Like it was like not only having something to say like having an uh you know a, about something that's very prevalent in that, that has been prevalent in society for a long time but is coming up more and more nowadays like not only to do something like that but to make a genuinely scary movie like like by the in the last like 15 minutes of the movie i was in the theater like literally on the edge of my seat my heart was like pounding out of my chest like i didn't know what was gonna happen and i was just like sweating bullets the whole time i can see that i mean like it does have a really unique storyline that does is told in a a way that has been been seen before but is kind of breaks molds the way it kind of deals with the subject matter so i think uh the way they dealt with that movie was excellent and i do believe it did deserve that um nomination to the golden globes even it was was it comedy and musical yeah best comedy comedy. musical i was like give me a break yeah which i'm i'm 50 50 on like obviously it's a horror movie and a thriller first and foremost but it is very funny and it is yeah and 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 i would like classify it as a satire as much as much as anything else it's just obviously by putting in the comedy category that made a little belittling but so i can understand why people were upset but uh, yeah, at the same time, this is uh, obviously coming up on my list as well. I think yeah, I think it's a masterpiece um, for for of its form. I think it's the type of like, you know, it, it's like social issue horror and thrillers were at one time very prevalent. Um, now they're not quite as common. I think this is a really really excellent, not just an excellent example of the form, but it explored like aspects of racism that are something that. Are, were, was not really discussed in a broad mm-hmm. sense by popular culture until now. And I think get out will be something that'll be something of like a cultural milestone that we'll refer to like the Stepford wives or something yeah. like that. Well, it's yeah. very similar to Stepford wives. I think that's, and I think that's the most that you can really ask for in a movie like this. I think it accomplished everything that it needed to it was extraordinarily well done. And um, I, yeah, I'm just incredibly excited to see what Jordan Peele does now because it was, you know, it took him a decade to be able to get someone to a, 
convince someone to make this both yeah. because of the subject matter and because you know as a sketch comedian no one thought he could do a horror movie but now that he can and i'm it, excited yeah, to see what I, he does totally, about freedom it'll be tough to top but he, he's a guy that clearly has the chops to do it yeah absolutely mm-hmm. okay and uh all right so my number two silver medal goes right. to hold on before you go into the rest of your things because we're we're going into like our mainless territory. Let's let's just hear them, and then we'll save them for when we actually go down the main list. I, I agree with that. Does that make sense? Well, okay, sure. Yeah, we love you, okay. though. Jordan. All right, and all your right, list. Fine. So clearly, we so love your list. <laughs> my number two was uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Woo woo! Yeah, I can't imagine why we want a prolonged discussion on that. Oh yeah, and yeah. unless uh, so wait, I'm just I just want I'm just let me just gonna take a little look here because there's only one movie on my list that that wasn't on the list, and I want to talk about it. So my number one pick of this of 2017 was Blade Runner 2049. Mm. Okay, okay, I was really impressed by it. Like I uh really really loved Blade Runner. Um. Blade Runner is probably the only movie that I can watch and like as soon as I'm done want to watch it again immediately. Like so I was a little uh skeptical at first of a sequel to Blade Runner. Um I wasn't sure whether or not it was just going to be sort of a cynical like sequel slash reboot in a way that a lot of these like uh, you know, sort of modern day revivals of, you know, popular, uh, like old sci-fi, like from like the sort of like the eighties and like mid or like late seventies mm-hmm. and days of Blade yeah. Runner. Um, cause then I, you know, I heard rumors that they were talking about re- reviving like Dune and they want to re- uh, redo like Logan's run or something I was hearing about. So I just yeah, thought it was going to be, a c- yeah. So I was going to, I thought it was going to be cynical, right? And then, you know, seeing the trailers for it, too, I was like, okay, they're kind of – it looks like this is they're trying to make this like an action movie, you know, that brought Harrison Ford back. So he's going to probably be a big player in it. And, like, everything I thought about the movie was completely just washed down the drain. Like, it's 100% its own movie in its, in its own uh, right. It does everything a sequel should do. Like, it, it runs with ideas from the first one. It makes them better. It builds the universe larger and more and more interesting and more in-depth. Like, um, you know, it, uh, it I, I, I was even more surprised, too, just at the fact that, uh, that, like, Harrison Ford didn't even show up till, like, the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie. Like, he has, like, he, this, this, you know, it wasn't his movie. So, you know the fact that he was there like adds an, an extra little layer of depth to it, but it doesn't like try to make it this cynical thing where like they just brought him back because, Oh, you know, Deckard's back and he's going to be doing stuff like, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the performance from, from Ryan Gosling was amazing. Like he, you know, granted he's been, he's been showing up in like in so many good movies recently in recent years like it's it's really hard to uh to deny his like you know his his uh his acting range and yeah. the like you know the the and the thing that really like really stood out to me the most probably was uh was the performance by uh Anna Darmis like their romance I thought was was just such a nice uh added layer to to what Blade Runner is kind of about in in its like themes of like you know uh like um like transhumanism and and just 
it was it was really special. Like I I actually couldn't believe how well it was done. And I, you know, especially kind of coming off of like watching something like Alien Covenant and thinking that like Ridley Scott was like he's really he's so hit and miss when he when he's like put, putting his Ridley name Scott on. Ridley Scott didn't movie. do this one though. Uh, didn't he get a producer credit? Sure. Yeah, he produced it, but he didn't direct oh. it. Okay, I don't know. I get, I get, uh, I get, uh, I get confused. So, <laughs> in any case, this is why we're missing Quinn case. today because he's going to have something to say about that. I mean, even mm-hmm. even Jared Leto, like he like Leto. blew me away, and I I like I was like a hundred percent ready to be like cynical about oh well you know he, you know he was shitting Suicide Squad so he's probably going to be garbage in this and it's like no he came to play in this movie and like nobody gave a bad performance in this movie I thought okay yeah yeah no yeah no I uh, I I adored it as well it's also coming up I guess I'll save that. Oh, I, I was looking at our list and I didn't oh, okay. see it. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mine's coming up. Yeah, well, I mean, we may as well discuss it now. Yeah, oh, I mean, I felt similarly. I don't uh, adore uh, the original Blade Runner on the same really? level I, I really as you do. I think the original Blade Runner is like in, is a great film. Don't get me wrong. I just don't find it like particularly fun to watch. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a uh, hard yeah, I've tried yeah, to get into and it it's a rough quite one. a few times. Yeah, like it's it's beautifully constructed, but like it's a movie about existential angst with all the pretension oh, yeah. and pain that that implies. So I was in, similarly nervous as to what they do with the, what they do with the sequel when they hired Denny Villeneuve. I figured they were in good hands because he's mm-hmm. uh, a very very smart uh, filmmaker who would not you know uh, latch onto Blade Runner to make some sort of like a generic action movie. And then, yeah, sure enough, I was not let down by the final film. I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think it's like the best possible sequel we could have gotten to Blade Runner. I think it manages to like both equal and at times surpass the visuals of the original, which are some of the most like stunning and timeless sci-fi dystopic sci-fi images of all time. And then, yeah, I thought like, thematically with the story was actually able to build and twist um, all of the sort of heady ideas that are in the original one without sort of without detracting from it being a, an, a blockbuster, which there was like far more action in this film than there is in the original Blade Runner, which essentially has a fight scene and a chase That's scene. That's true. Yeah. Everything else is just people wandering around in big rooms being mopey. Um, so <laughs> I, they did. So they did manage to up the spectacle while still staying true to it being a very thoughtful and very depressing and unpleasant side, uh, dark sci-fi experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that they were even able to make a movie like this on this scale, whether or not it's a sequel with Harrison forward in it um i think is like kind of like a i think is incredible i think they kind of snuck this through the system um and the fact that it came out and was divisive and and wasn't a particularly big hit i just signaled to me that they'd done it right because blade runner is the most notorious overlooked failure in hollywood history that's now an iconic film so it feels to me like a movie that will only get more and more appreciation uh, over time um, as to whether or not it's as good as the original Blade Runner. I mean, that's tough to say because, you know, something like Blade Runner is so influential and iconic. It's kind of hard to judge how good or bad it is. You just, it's it, it, easier to appreciate, but I think yeah. like the fact that it even stands on the same two legs as Blade Runner is something that like is, is kind of a miracle and yeah, they crushed it. So yeah. agreed. I agree. Great cool. Good list. Good list. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Uh, so let's go back to our main list. Uh, and uh, we're going to go on to number seven. Phil, what was your number seven pick? Yes. My number seven was John Wick Chapter 2. Um, oh, yeah. Good. Which Good. Is, Good. I wish it was higher, though. Spectacular. Hmm. Just spectacular. I really love the John Wick series. Um, the original one was a very, very pleasant surprise. It's actually, I rewatched that not that long ago, and it's actually like, looking back, it's easy to forget what a small and tiny little movie it is, considering it's like a, you know, an action film. Crazy. Um, yeah. So with the, uh, they're, they're, yeah, so with the sequel, they obviously had to go bigger, they had to go goofier, and I feel, I think they got that tone right. I mean, John Wick always had a very amusing tongue-in-cheek uh, tone to mm-hmm. what it was doing. It was presenting everything very straight and serious, but was acutely aware just how absurd the world it was setting up. It truly was. And I thought when they expanded it and you realized there were all these gold coin run luxury hotels operated exclusively by hitmen all over the world, um, I thought was like hysterical and fit within what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. I thought the action scenes were some of the best I've seen in years. Like this was, you know, the original John Wick was uh, uh, impressive because it was stuntmen that knew how to use their resources. This time it was people that had not only had the experience that had the experience of John Wick and all the other blockbusters behind them actually getting to show what they could do with a decent budget. And some of the, the car chases, some of the, the hilarious, uh, quiet, um, Oh my God, that was amazing. Out in the subway with common and, uh, Keanu Reeves, the, that the montage of Keanu of my- Reeves killing people, kill the big person. Like it just, it was a series of just, um, some of the best action scenes <laughs> I think like that have ever been done. And with just the right goofy tone. And by the end, I had me thrilled to see John Wick 3, which I was even apprehensive about there being a John Wick 2. So yeah. I think what they're doing over there with that franchise is something special. And also keeping alive the like old-fashioned action movie without any capes mm-hmm. or uh, or any or, or any planets being in peril. Um, and it's just nice that that uh, exists. And also, like, uh, Keanu Reeves is 50. And it's crazy what he's doing in those oh, movies. I know. And Dude, he doesn't incredibly, and incredibly <laughs> impressive that he now has like three uh, like genuinely iconic franchises plus Speed and Point Break, uh, which I like to think are unofficial sequels. So uh, I think uh, <laughs> I think yeah, I just think it was it, for people that like love action movies, it was uh, really like one of the best of the last ten years. And uh, yeah, what they're doing with this John Wick thing is just fantabulous. Yeah. It, I, I mean, and okay, so the original John Wick was an original screenplay, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that I, I was really like, I thought there was some other like primary source material for this before I saw it. Like it felt very mm-hmm. like it felt very like what I want so many comic book movies to become. And it did it mm-hmm. entirely on its own. And so when John Wick 2 came out and it did exactly and better what the first movie did it just creates so much more momentum. And I was on the same page with you. I, I cannot wait for there to be a John Wick 3. Like, I would mm-hmm. watch 20 of these mm-hmm. and have no problem with it because if they just keep that momentum of the freshness that they're bringing every time, it would be mm-hmm. amazing. And- I, yeah. I did have one complaint. <clears throat> In the first movie, it's very consistent that you always see John Wick. He only ever uses whatever that clip would be. So if he has a gun mm-hmm. with six shots, he fires six shots, throws the gun away or finds another gun. In this movie, yeah. he has a lot, he, a lot less scenes of him reloading or finding guns. Mm-hmm. He just kind of will unload a gun for like five minutes straight. So a little less attention yeah. to the details, what you're saying. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Well, you watched a movie yeah. good, Brendan. 
Yeah, I mean, I hear you, but like at the same time, things have gotten so absurd in oh, this yeah. universe yeah. that I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I also just love the like casting of uh, the the of like uh, like infamous B movie characters, like the um, the hotel in Rome mm-hmm. was run by Franco Nero, who's the original Django. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hasn't been around in far too long, and just seeing him while it took on the kind of style of old like Euro trash action right. movies from the seventies and eighties where the stunts were obscenely dangerous and people died and they just pretend that it didn't happen. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was just good times for me. As an also, we get to see what he does with the pencil. Exactly. Yeah. Which was long over tip. Some of long, us long, 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 long. <laughs> yeah, no, that was but, super exciting. Yeah. But you didn't like it, Jordan. Uh, not that I didn't like it. It's just, it, it didn't, it didn't have the same, like, like, effect on me i guess that the that the first one did like 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 john wick number one to me was like was a was a genuine like classic um but like i don't know why when i kind of finished watching john wick 2 i did i just didn't feel the same like way inside like like don't get me wrong i had a blast watching it like it was a just a great time from start to finish but i like Part of me just I don't know if it, it didn't capture the magic the same way the first one, and I think a big part of that is because like the first John Wick really flew under the radar, like there wasn't a lot of talk about it, and then it just sort of happened. So I think there was probably a lot more like like pressure on a sequel because there was more like stuff to know about it. Um, yeah, come just just by extension of John Wick existing. I think personally, I would have preferred not to have a movie but rather like a series like i'd rather have seen like because that's that was the one thing that bothers me and for anyone who hasn't seen it i'm gonna get a little bit into spoilers here it bothered the crap out of me that he like kind of gets back into the like assassins guild only to get kicked out at the end of the movie and i was just like why like you're building this this really interesting like you know bonkers universe build it like and stay in it don't just like kill it all of a sudden i don't know it really was weird to me Boy, it's almost like they built up that whole world so that he could take the whole world down in the next movie. But I would have preferred to actually see him <laughs> exist in the world for a little but bit, I like think, you know. Oh, you mean like you mean like, for, you mean like existing in the world for the entire first and second movie? He wasn't in the world for the first movie. He got back into it no, very briefly to, to finish his business, and then he got out. But he was in the world. Like, I mean, here's the thing. I get it, but I think the like the the fact that both films did an excellent job of showing enough of the world that you got the idea without having it like force fed or like giving you 20 tomes of backstory that frankly would have taken away from the fun and the excitement of the movie yeah i I, yeah i love the whole thing where everyone just speaks in shorthand to each other and you assume all these backstories without Uh actually having to hear any of them i think that's great it was was great that's why I just I think it would have been great if he, if they could have pulled something like like a you know a thirteen episode series on Netflix. Like I'd love to watch something where well, like the good news is they're planning on doing that. Hot damn! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that's, yeah that's the really? plan. John Wick three will be the film the the like finale of the movies, and then there will be a TV series about young John Wick joining that's the assassin. Exactly what I want to okay, see. Okay, that's, yeah. that's fine. I don't mind it after all the right, movies. Perfect. All right, yeah. then you know what, Phil? Everything all's well then with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Sounds good. Yeah. But All right. And then number number six on my list was Logan, which we already talked about. So we're yeah. done with that. All right. Well, yeah. let's <laughs> use this opportunity to take a bit of a break. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Brendan. We're going to talk about some streaming services, movies this year. And we're going to talk about some of our worst. And we're going to hear our top five from Phil. So uh, stick around for that. And let's hear from our sponsors. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always $5 short. Lame. Wait, five bucks short, you say? Well, I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of Coupons Past. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next comic bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG, all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next comic bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next comic bento. A whole $5, eh? Now that's scary. The Pixels and Ink podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Thanks to our sponsors, Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento. All right, since we're back, it's time to hear uh, our number five movie from Phil. So, Phil, what's our number five? All right, number five was Star Wars The Last Jedi, which I... Yeah, which I I really adored. Um, It's funny. I like after seeing it because it so carefully mirrors the Empire Strikes Back, Mm -hmm. both like in so many ways, the main one being how it goes out of its way to bunk expectations and screw with what you think you want to see it in the movie. I knew as soon as I saw it that it was going to be both like beloved and incredibly divisive. I did not think it would be as intense as it has been. Um that's been crazy. Now, a lot of that has been due to there was a very a, a lot of that was was down to on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it got an incredibly high score from the critics. And then the audience score was somewhere in like 58 percent, yeah, mm-hmm. um, which was actually lower than Phantom Menace. They subsequently like people researched that and realized that all started from uh, 4chan and Reddit threads and was a calculated effort. By people, most of whom had issues with the social justice warrior Mm -hmm. uh, contingent in in the movie, which is ridiculous. Um, So it was a a very calculated thing. But what I found fascinating about it was not only that, like, they did that, but because they did it so early, it actually did change the discourse. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people felt that it was more hated than it was. And um, I think it's great. I think it's as good as this movie possibly could have been. I think it, it... gave me everything I wanted but well at the same time being nothing that I thought it would do yeah and I think it really positions them in a place where I think things could get really interesting now um with this new trilogy and it's it's deeper and different than the previous one while somehow being the same and I just love what they did with uh, Luke's character mm-hmm. um it made him such a bitter grimy old man and in particular what I loved about it was the fact that um that Luke's entire uh, MO with the movie, which is that 
he wants to be lost in the on the farthest edge of the universe with his like precious Jedi texts and share them with no one and will question the thoughts of anyone who comes along that's younger than him and thinks differently is kind of exactly what everyone that hated the movie is like as well. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought that they kind of had an interesting preemptive criticism against the criticism that they would receive for the movie, which I thought was great. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was uh, everything I wanted out of the you know, dark second chapter of this new Star Wars no, trilogy. No, I have one question. This might be a spoiler for anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it goes without saying everything we're since it's a yeah. movie of the year list. Mm-hmm. Everything we're saying is going to mm-hmm. be a spoiler. Uh, but is mm-hmm. that uh, callback character an actual Muppet or is it yes. CG? Oh yeah, it's definitely a Muppet. You can okay. tell. Okay. Yeah. Also, that good, is good callback character. That is how you do fan service. Yeah, that was one of my favorite moments in the movie. I I genuinely teared up the first time that happened. That was pretty. Because I love that little guy. You know what? I yeah. I, I I I wish I could have enjoyed it a little bit more, but like I one hundred percent called it like before the movie because I had heard that there was like a surprise character, and I was like, okay, it's either Yoda or Anakin. And when it when it but like nonetheless, when he, when he did show up, I actually like I'm kind of right in the same boat with you, Phil. Like I was like like felt some real emotions in that moment yeah. no I, I do have one complaint about the movie and that is just simply the character of kylo ren i but, think i think mm-hmm. the character of Luke was, no no hold on let him finish let, let, him finish. let me finish um jordan you and me are going to tag team after this yeah. let's go okay the problem with that character being in a position of power that he is given the things that happened in that movie because you can go into details i mean okay most people who are listening to this at this point have probably seen it. Yeah, we just told them Yoda's in it. So yeah. okay, yeah. the the fact that he is at the end of the movie, the head of the new, the first order, first yeah. order, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially because he's basically an impulsive child that has power, but why he doesn't really have any tactics. He doesn't have any ability to, to direct a massive empire that it is. How is he able to step in the the shoes of Snow uh, Snope? Snope? Yes. Yeah. Snope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so easily, even though this M- this unit that has become the first order has to have cohesion to actually function to get to the power level it is right now. But I think that's that's going to go in and ex- be explained obviously in the third. Like you got to set up somehow to. Okay. So my my theory is this: that the first two movies mirrored uh, episode uh, four and episode five so closely. That they've got to do something a little bit divergent for the third movie to kind of make it stand out. They've already like indicated that there are like in-world ideas that they're that are diverging, right? Mm-hmm. So, like to have they've they've got to have something a little bit bigger. Like he can't be exactly Vader for the last movie because no, no. Vader had that control with the Emperor. Like they didn't have that, but to have like for him to be in power, like to, for him to control the whole thing, I think it's also established that reputation has already preceded him but no everyone in the first order thinks he's an idiot well well i think i think it's i think it's like um i think it's like okay the this sort of the same way that like vader in the original was sort of the figurehead and it was kind of more um grand moff tarkin who was like the controller like he was like the uh um the one who actually like controlled uh the army itself it's sort of the same way here it's really more um um general hux who actually controls and orders the first order but because 
uh, Kylo Ren can force choke him and throw him around. He's too afraid of Kylo Ren and his power to like disobey him. So he'll just listen to him and order his army to do all this stuff because he has to listen to this guy. Yeah, I my feeling is just that a that conflict between him and the first order mm. there that's set up for what they're going to do in the next movie, and beyond that, like uh, every person we've seen running the dark side of things has uh, you know taken their power by force yeah. against people that weren't particularly interested in having them lead. So it just feels yeah like okay. the appropriate. I don't next know. Step. I, I just wish I saw him to be a little bit more in control and a little bit more more of a tactician than we actually saw in that film. But I guess you, you kind of see it mm. because he does manipulate Ray in a way to get him to that point. So you do see he has some ability to. Well, and, and also he, you know, manipulated his way into the first That's order true. in the first place. He was with, he was on the other side and then found his way in there and right up with the big boys. So yeah, no, I think, I, I think like I think there's certainly conflict there and that he is a petulant child and experienced, but I think that's conflict that will just lead to more interesting storytelling. And I, well, okay. I think that's part of the point too of his character, right? Like that's kind of what makes him uh like what I think is a is sort of a better like villain than someone like like I mean, you know, not and I, I don't want to start I don't want to start a fight here, but like Vader is iconic. Don't get me wrong, but Vader is very like yeah. traditional bad guy. Like Kylo Ren actually feels like like a believable villain. He has internal conflict. He has like this wide range of uh, of emotions pushing and pulling him, and it like makes his plight all the more like relatable, and it just makes him a mm. more interesting character. I agree with you. Like I, I mean, and it's also theoretically what was supposed to be going on internally in Darth Vader, right? Yeah, yeah. To believe, yeah. But you never saw that on screen. Vader was always, yeah. Vader. That's what I'm saying. Is that like it's they actually have set it up so that they can do that this time rather than it being written in postscript. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Good. So yeah. A lot of all right, okay. Good. All right. Good so choice. anyway, that was number five. Woo woo woo. And number four was Blade Runner 2049, yeah. which we already talked about. So that's that. All right. So, Brendan, what are your personal top three? You didn't have top five on your list. Why didn't you have top five on your list? Well, because I saw the list of everyone else was talking about and I didn't want to have double up on every single movie that I, I selected. OK, fair enough. That just means they're good movies. Be honest with us, Brendan. You I only agree. saw three movies this year. No, no, I saw Thor. I saw, I saw Thor. I saw Star Wars. I saw most of what Phil has on his list. I saw it. Um, mm-hmm. But I also saw... Um, I saw Dunkirk. I, I, I've seen pretty much everything that's been kind of on this list. I just don't want to jump on everyone else's list. Yeah. Well, why don't you say your honest you top five and then? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with Logan is my number five pick. Then we have Baby Driver in my number four slot. Ooh. Why? Mm-hmm. Baby it's Driver. a good movie. I mean, it is really good. Despite the Kevin Spacey issue that he's in it. We can't remake that movie. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's in it and he's in it. Abu- he's in it and he's in it in an abusive relationship with a teen boy. Yeah, so it doesn't help at all. It really doesn't help no. one bit. No, it makes the movie. But beyond out- that, I agree. It's so it's so well made. It's yep. like ridiculously meticulously constructed, and to do so with all those car chases and everything is just yep. yeah, it's crazy. I agree. And such a good time. Oh, it's amazing. It's it's. So yeah. fast and so chaotic near the end that the last section of the movie, I was like on the edge of my seat for like a good 20 minutes. It was fantastic. Yeah. 
Also, yeah. I love the fact that uh, I think Vox uh, mapped out the first car chase in the movie, and it's oh, that's funny accurate. If you follow it, yeah, it mapped it out perfectly, and where they ended up is the exact building they should end up at based on the turns. That's they made. so funny. Oh, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Lego Batman, just because I like a bit a bit of fun in my number mm-hmm. uh, three mm-hmm. slot. Then I mm-hmm. had uh, Blade Runner in my number four slot, and then I had. Mm-hmm. Which one? You mean number three slot, two oh, slots? So, yeah, I'm going backwards. So, yeah, and then John yeah. Wick was my number one slot. So we kind of all talked. Nice. I was thinking of putting Star Wars in there, but as I mentioned, the I didn't love the character of Kylo Ren, so it just it, it didn't quite make the list this year. That's fair enough. Yeah. Fair. fair. Yeah, that's a pretty decent list. Yeah, I thought so. I'm pretty yeah, happy with it. I can get behind it. Yeah. Cool. I can get behind it. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. All right, so uh, let's talk about our number three pick. Yes, for number three, I picked Dunkirk. Good choice. Um, Christopher Rollins' new movie, which in particular, like seeing it in IMAX where it was shot, I think it was something something like 80% shot in IMAX film format, um, was just on like a visceral level, the most intense and amazing theatrical experience I had this year. Um, I think uh, it's... Even beyond that, I think a very, very good movie. Um, I the last through ever since he's been doing blockbusters, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan's been sort of experimenting with these intercut climaxes where he builds up a few different storylines and has them all cut together in one big ash, action collage near the end. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it worked better than others. I think Inception was probably the best example of it. Um, and Dunkirk just felt like a feature length version of that, where after the the barest minimum of setup to get us into the actual Dunkirk uh, situation. It's just, yeah, three different horrendous, powerful um, and like action packed stories intertwined in very clever ways. So they sort of sync up in a manner that isn't quite in chronological order, Mm. but still feels like it. And um, I think just on a visceral level, it's one of the most like impressive and affecting uh, war movies I've ever seen. It felt like, the the as a gore aside the kind of feeling that you got from the opening of saving private writing feeling like you were in the midst of combat and dealing with all that anxiety and pressure and madness i think it managed to do that for it's an entire feature length running time and uh i just think it's an extraordinary piece of filmmaking um from christopher nolan who and and the type of thing that only someone in his position in hollywood could get made and uh particularly when seen in imax and taking advantage of that format uh, there was just nothing else like it this year. Yeah. And uh, I think it's an incredible piece of work. So, Phil, did you see it at the Cinesphere in Ontario Place? I did. How, wa- I did. how was I did. I saw that it, kind of? I saw it at the Cinesphere. That was great. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, which was the, the original IMAX theater uh, that they've uh, refurbished. That that was amazing. Um, in particular, they showed it with the first ever IMAX short right beforehand, which oh, unfortunately wow. the name of which is escaping me right now. But what was interesting is seeing how many techniques they pioneered in that first IMAX short that actually were carried over to Dunkirk. Obviously, in the first IMAX <laughs> short with it being Canadian, it was, you know, helicopter shots going over canoes and whatnot. But <laughs> it's just, it was like similar techniques that still resonate. Um, and I just love that um, he's continuing to pursue that format, and I wish more other filmmakers would, yeah, um, because it is immersive on a level that nothing else. Can now, be. is IMAX gone digital, or is IMAX still the the massive film stock? It's primarily gone digital, okay. but I mean that's still they're still shooting on the film stock and then scanning it in. The, you can there are still theaters equipped with the uh, film projectors, not as many okay. as I'd like. Um, but even when it's projected di- through laser production digitally, it's still 
uh, has a far faster, higher resolution than it would if it were a 35 millimeter. You no, know, I, 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 it was, is it, uh, the science center has, you can see the, um, how that film stock goes through the massive projector and it, it's yeah, totally. amazing to see how that film stock and film medium is so niche, but so engrossing when it actually works. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it, it was an incredible accomplishment. I loved it. And your number two slot. Oh, we're moving on to two. I thought Jordan might have something snarky to say. Uh, oh, didn't see it. A bunch on. of guys in boats. I uh, thought it would be a slog. Okay. See, that's what I was hoping <laughs> yeah. for. Thanks, Jordan. All right. So m- move, uh, moving on to number two. Um, I picked Get Out, okay. which uh, Jordan and I actually agreed on earlier. And uh, I stand on it. Will you know? I, I think will be one of the more iconic movies of the year that will stand the test of time for quite some time yeah yeah and uh yeah just an amazing mix of horror and satire and social commentary that uh just doesn't come along every day and it's nice to see now that like the award ceremonies are piling up that it's getting recognized because horror mm-hmm. movies uh essentially never do um and it says a lot about the impact the movie made this year agreed cool mm-hmm. all right okay so um I'm supposed to talk, but I haven't seen much that isn't already on this list, and I kind of had made, said my two cents about all that. So mm-hmm. uh, I spend a lot of time with Netflix, so I thought I'd pull out some uh, notable Netflix movies that came out this year because uh, the, and well, actually, one of them is a, an Amazon movie that did actually get theaters, but uh, I thought we could talk a quick little bit about that. So uh, on mm-hmm. my list, uh, I wanted to just sort of bring up just a couple of them that are good and bad, I guess, but mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about bad anyway, later. Anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, first thing I got to talk about is Okja. Did you guys see that? That yeah, was fun. The, I didn't. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Uh, like, yeah, it's beautiful. It was, it's just a really lovely story. I mean, I had a little bit of, uh, like it was a very superficial so, uh, social commentary about the the food system and and how we eat and that sort of thing. Um, so mm. in that sense, you got to take the message with a bit of a of of sort of a lighter take because it is a little too with a pinch of salt. Would you say with a pinch? Yes, a little that pinch food metaphor with mm. a pinch of salt. Mm. Just a, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I like that. That was that was really good, Jordan. That's why Thank we you. pay the, you the uh, mm. the big bucks. <laughs> to say things <laughs> snarky things even yeah. but i mean all the characters in it were just so bright and like vibrant and really well fleshed mm-hmm. out like i was in love with that little girl and her devotion mm-hmm. to the character and then the the um the team of uh what's the word i'm looking for oh my gosh the the team of um people uh activists activists. thank you wow it's been a really long day the team of activists Mm -hmm. that were there who were supporting her through the entire thing and helping her get through it and it and the fact that it took a much darker turn uh towards the end which makes a lot of sense for the tone of the movie that they were trying to portray um Mm. it was just it was really great and jake gyllenhaal's character like he was I, I don't know. A little from, over the top for me, but I can but see But it was it it was it was purposefully over the top and I kind of liked that. Like you don't get to see a mm. lot of like intentionally over the top characters that kind of fit because everyone yeah. around them was so much more cardboard. Uh if not cardboard, that's not the word I'm looking for, but a little a little like uh a little more cleanly developed and a little mm. less like Ridiculous. cartoony, a yeah. little less cartoony. So mm. it made his character just 
kind of like a just little interesting little piece to throw into it. I forgot I that came out this year. Like I remember seeing at uh, E3 the posters yeah. for that movie. And I was like, what's this Okja movie? And then it came out like the summer, right? It didn't even come out that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, no, I I love the filmmakers. Well, June uh, Bong-ho, he did The Host mm-hmm. and Snowpiercer. And he's a really, really brilliant guy. I, I Yeah, I thought Okja was great. I just think it's, it's sort of the, like, unfortunate proof of uh, the sort of second-tier status Netflix has yeah. in the film industry. Because I really think if that movie had even had played theatrically it would be discussed on all the best of the year list and probably be up for awards but because it was on netflix Mm -hmm. everyone just kind of forgot about it forgot that it exists and that's a shame and so it was good anyway um uh, another notable movie of note is death note that's that's, this is a this is a movie noteworthy note movie of notebook all right so uh, I understand that the original uh, manga uh, writer, like the person who did the the original manga, yeah. was on the screenplay. Was committee. he? I believe he had he had a hand in the film. He did see part like uh, he did. See, there was huge divergence from the series, but it makes a lot of sense to have it in that frame. Sure. It could have been better. It could have been a lot better. <laughs> it was basically it was Final Destination with. Sorry? It was Final Destination with teen angst and a, a book rather than death itself. Yeah, yeah you just described I mean, Death Note, the Japanese version. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess that's true. That's the problem. And it, this- no, because in Death Note, they originally they always die unless you list how of a heart attack. In this movie, it's just random. No, you had to list how in this movie. Yeah, but no, if you don't, it just it just randomly kills them somehow. Which that's I feel why like the guy could, got could, his head yeah. killed from a. Like, yeah. from a movie perspective, I feel like that adds a little bit more, right? Because if, like, you know, that's the whole kind of the thing that uh, that does end up... I mean, I guess it, it, it serves a plot purpose because that's kind of what gets uh, uh, light on L's radar is that all these people just randomly die of a heart attack. So when you make it so that they all randomly die randomly, um, it makes it... I guess it maybe it makes for a little bit more intrigue that way. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I liked how it kept enough from the anime, uh, and, it, but it, it did fall from the, fail from this, uh, very common thing when an anime is picked up by an American for developed for an American audience by American directors, uh, that it, it's, it felt very Americanized, but then this and it, felt almost, it was an adaptation. Well, hold on a second. Let me finish. Never. Jesus. Jesus. Um, so anyway, yeah, how it, it just it, it like it felt very Americanized. And it, there was the the pops of like the anime culture that came mm. in that were almost a little fetishized. If you know what I mean? Like it was it, it, it could have like either just go all the way American and be good with it. Or, like, stay as true as you can to the tone. Like, I don't yeah. want exactly the story in a short movie. Like, that would have been ridiculous. This was this was light as it, as light as it could have possibly been without being totally unrecognizable. But, uh, I don't know. That's, that's my, my problem take. with Death Note is it was forgettable. Yeah. If you had not had this on this list, pointing it out, I would have forgotten it existed this year. And it was kind of confusing to like, who was it really for? Because it wasn't for the fans. Nope. And it wasn't good enough to expose like a new audience to it. It was just kind of, well, to be fair, it was Warner Brothers originally producing this. Is that right, Phil? 
Yes. Yeah, Warner Brothers was doing this, and Netflix kind of bought it after Warner Brothers said, yeah, this is bad. Let's kill this. So, yeah. uh, sure. It it's, it's, it's Netflix using money it doesn't have to make movies that are forgettable. Sure. Go Ryo- for it. What, Ryoku? Ryoku? Ryuk. Yeah, Ry- Ryuk. Ryuk. Thank you. I don't know why I forget names, but I do. I thought, like, okay, at the very least, it was a... Oh, he did. That, he looked amazing. The work there was awesome. It was that. That worked so much. I would have liked to see a lot like you don't see him as much in the anime though either so that he's makes in, like every episode he's in every yeah. episode but he's not like the main like huge oh my gosh in your face i think they treated that at least yeah with just enough and they spent a long time building up to introducing his character so you actually also in the anime he was just more of a trickster in this movie he's stupid evil like he's just yeah, doing well, this yeah movie. but again that, that comes with the north american tone right yeah. that's well, I like think a, it just comes with the different... will of defoe i mean he's gonna be in your <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, his motivations, like um, in the anime or the manga, Ryuk is just doing it because he's really bored. Yeah. In this, he just likes messing with people and causing pain. He was more of a chaos. He yeah. was more of a chaos god. And in, yeah. in the sense, I guess that kind of comes a little closer to like who he was actually supposed to be portraying in yeah. the original manga as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm mixed on it. But the biggest point, in fact, is it was very forgettable. Uh, something else to talk about is the big sick which was actually very very good it was um, really did you guys cute. happen to see that that wasn't netflix though this yeah. was amazon and it did go into it was the amazon. I was, it, yeah that was a great great movie was, i yeah. loved it awesome i don't know if you've ever seen uh his stand-up but he actually did email not johnny yeah, yeah he's great but yeah because he actually does talk about this in that right so um but the fact that it, it was just so uh I, I just I loved how first how just well portrayed it was to see like the dynamics between his family and the dynamics between uh, his the girlfriend before and after and the family and just like how like raw the whole thing was portrayed. And it just it mm-hmm. just felt authentic and really enjoyable, very hard to watch for a comedy, which was kind of uh, unsettling for know, me. Was it? But. I, it really was because of how how emotional every mm. relationship was. Uh, it, it was it, like everything that he was going through was relatable to everyone at some aspect, in some point in their life. All right. Yeah, but I felt and, like the, the tone stayed consistently light. Like even like like with uh, I with don't know, man. Some of the stuff that was going on with like uh, um, uh, 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 blanking on the name all of a sudden for. <laughs> He's a Ray Romano's character. Like, yeah. he was still really funny. Like, oh, yeah. No, no, no. But that's the thing that got me. It was like, it was so funny and so light, but at the same time, so ostensibly dark. Like, just so overpoweringly dark in into mm. it. Um, and I don't know if anybody's ever gone, like, I'm sure all of us have gone through uh, situations where we've had a loved one who's been sick and how. Uh, and still having to go on and do stuff and how tough that can be in your life kind of thing. And the fact that they portrayed all that so accurately and not making it like a super, it was dramatic event, but they made it so realistic and so lifelike, Mm. I think was the biggest success from that movie. Like you're going to still, you know, go and have other problems to deal with at the time. And you're still going to have to sort through other things. And, and the fact that they tackled that, um, it was really, I don't know, just, I thought very, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I can see that. Can I, 
Uh, uh, and I think... Uh, Sorry, I was going to make a what? joke, but I don't know if I'm off base here. I kind of feel like Zoe Kazan is like the Alec Baldwin of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Because <laughs> like every movie I'm, I've seen her in, she is just Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And it's like, it's like she is the role she was born to do, apparently. I, uh, you know, I'm just. I don't, under, I don't understand the Alec Baldwin connection. I don't. I don't quite understand what that was either. Like, you just wanted to mix the two together. No, was that, what was Alec Baldwin's like a good? Actor? Oh, that like, she's. Al- the you mean the, the Alec character? Baldwin of? Because he plays characters. I don't. I don't understand. Because Alec Baldwin is a good out. actor. Help us out. Walk us through it. So she's a really good actor. Only when it comes to playing Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I should not have to explain this joke. (laughs) He's saying, okay, let me explain it, Brendan. Okay. He's saying that uh, she is... What if I said she's she's the... um, She's she's a character actor, like Alec Baldwin's a character actor, but her character is Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Okay. Get it? Whereas Alec Baldwin is Alec Baldwin. What if I I said she's the Daniel Day-Lewis of Manic Pixie Dream Girl? So she immerses herself into the role of. She's just a she really plays, good actress when it comes to I only feel playing manic like pixie manic dream girl. Dream. I'm really uh, tired of that, by the way. I'm really over the manic pixie dream girl because I'm tired of everyone who's freaking normal being considered quirky. But that's another spiel for another time. All right, okay. Um, okay. We're moving along. Good Hopefully job, the audience gets my joke <laughs> more than Brendan. No one in the audience got that. Everybody. Everybody in the audience got your joke. We hope. No one in the they audience got, got your joke. Thank God. All right. It's too advanced for you guys. I think we're ready. We're ready to move on to our uh, number one CGM movie of 2017. Take it away, Phil. My number one movie of the year, genre movie that is, is the Sh- Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water. Uh, this is a... Yeah, this is a really amazing little movie. Um, it was uh, interesting. He actually won uh, Best Director at the Golden Globes last yeah, night. Yeah. And he, for the first time, uh, said that uh, The Shape of Water is sort of part of an unofficial trilogy with The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. And I always felt that while watching it. Um, so it was nice to hear him say it. It is very similar in that they're uh, sort of supernatural stories told over, over a, a highly fraught political setting in which there are monsters, but the human the human monsters prove to be more frightening than the monsters themselves. Uh, this time it's a love story set in the uh, Cold in Cold War America, and it's all sort of a it, it's it, essentially on one level. Uh, Amelie meets the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is just a delightful romp for everyone. Mm. On the other hand, it's also sort of exploring how everyone is forced to hide their true identity in this highly repressive society. Um, And the character that uh, Michael Shannon plays, who's sort of an Arby agent in charge of taking care of the sea monster, is the character we'd normally see be the hero of these sorts of, uh, of like an old 50s monster movie. But in this case, he is... Uh, the evil oppressor. So it makes it's a very timely movie that fits in with a lot of issues people are talking about now, while at the same time being a very exciting and funny and dark and gory and moving and touching uh, love story about a uh, mute woman uh, falling for a uh, technicolored sea monster. And the fact that that sentence could actually lead to a movie worth wa- not only worth watching, but is actually quite beautiful and profound, I think is remarkable. I think it's an incredible testament to uh, Guillermo del Toro's talent. He's, you know, 
for years now been one of the more imaginative filmmakers sort of uh, hopping back and forth between making, you know, big rousing imaginative blockbusters like Pacific Rim or the Hellboy movies and these sort of smaller esoteric art movies uh, typically done, you know, in a foreign country with subtitles. It was nice to see him finally get the chance to, within America, wake one of his more personal movies. And um, the more I see it and the more I think about it, it may even be my favorite of his films. And I think it's something that's really, really special that I can't recommend enough to anyone who likes uh, horror movies or love stories or Cold War Paranormal movies or just uh, good things that make you feel good. Where was that filmed? Toronto. Toronto? Oh, you mentioned there's yeah. a Lakeview scene in there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lakeview Diner's in there. There's, uh, they, 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 they right. shot a <laughs> big movie theater. They shot big movie theater scenes in the uh, Winter Garden Theater downtown. Oh, nice. It was uh, done all over the city. And uh, yeah, if you live in Toronto, it's uh, very surreal to watch on that level. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And it's such, I'm so glad that he got his first uh, director uh, Golden Globe for this one as well. Like, and I'm yeah. sure he was too. I mean, there was a point in his, the 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 was it called the um the orchestra tried to like do the the cutoff and send him off, and he actually mm. shushed them. He's <laughs> like, "I've been waiting 25 years for this. You get to let me finish." <laughs> so it was it's really like totally a good film for like the perfect film for him to finally get that kind of recognition. I think it's totally awesome. yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet, though. <laughs> it is great. I can't recommend it enough to all of you yeah. guys. All right. Well, that wraps up our list. Uh, so since we did the best, let's talk about some of the worst of the year. Yeah. All right. Who wants to start us off? What do you think? Uh, I know. Jordan, Jordan what was the worst movie you saw? Oh, there were so many. Um, you have a long list here, and it includes like <laughs> 90% of our top 10 lists. Jordan. <laughs> okay. Well, the. the out of all the movies I remember seeing this year, um, Rings stood out to me as particularly bad. Um, yeah, that was, I made the mistake that was dumb when I went to see it because um, I was checking on Rotten Tomatoes and I was looking at the score and it was like a 75%. And I was like, oh, wow. So apparently Rings is really good. But I hadn't realized that the critic scores hadn't come out yet. And I was looking at the user score. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> let me down. <laughs> And oh my god, yeah, it was so bad. Except for like, um, except for uh, a surprise role from um, Vincent D'Onofrio, which was pretty amazing. Like, oh, just, right. just <laughs> garbage. Oh, that was bad movie. And it's like, from what I've heard too, is that like the Rings series has been going like in uh, Japan for like a, a long while now, and they actually ex- like they experimented with a movie that apparently was actually really good. Uh, where like the rings, the ring thing actually like took place like on YouTube and like social media and stuff, and it was playing out that way. Um, and that's apparently where like what where the whole idea that this like this thing where it's like in this one where like you could you if you watch the ring movie, but then you make someone else watch it, you pass your death sentence on to them. And I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. And then um, what's his name? Uh, Leonard showed up and he was trying to like yeah. break down the science of that. And I thought there was like a good movie in the rings that they never actually explored. No, no it wasn't. Well, if they had done like some of that, like they actually had someone who was trying to like break it down to a science and actually trying to figure out how it works, like that actually could have been interesting in the realm of making a stupid horror movie based on rings. But, you know, it was really bad. Um, Alien Covenant was really bad. Um, 
Eh, well, okay. you know, you know what? Okay, fine. That was fine, but it was not one of the worst no, movies of the but year. It, I don't know. It, it was it was amongst the the movies that I had seen where I like shut right. it off and I was upset. Like like the first. Okay, guys. Okay. So every movie you watch. Well, <laughs> the Mummy was really bad. The Mummy was garbage. Uh, <laughs> hold on. No wait, wait. No no no. Let's go back to Alien Covenant. Brendan and Phil, what saves it from being on the worst of the year list? Well, the first two acts. Yeah, oh, I mean, like. Not- yeah, like the my, that I thought uh, Michael Fassbender oh, was, was excellent amazing. in it, and there are some there are some set pieces in it that are like visually incredibly stunning. Well oh yeah, it's just it just yeah, and, and it's visually incredible. It's just they clearly just didn't know where to go it's and kind of ran mean. out. Of it. Like every you watch it, like wow, they're just purposely toying with people because it's funny. Yeah, okay, sure. But yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It was a very, very it was very, but very exactly harsh. But makes, I mean, it's just um, yeah. uh, what was his name, Adam. Adam, like that's yeah. actually what makes him like really scary. And if like if the movie had stayed focused on him, it probably would have been really great. It's like once the xenomorph shows up, the whole movie just tanked for me. Like it's like all they tried to do was yeah, remake I mean, Alien, and they didn't do it nearly as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree. I just think like the worst of the year. I tend to pick stuff that's irredeemable. Yeah, well, that's not okay. irredeemable. That's just kind of. Eh. They'll say it's my my personal <laughs> so, five. I I I didn't. Okay. A lot of, I, I mean, okay, fine. I guess it wasn't worse than the Boss Baby, but like, you know, yeah, <laughs> that was a rough <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, the Mummy was really hurt. bad, really directionless, just uninspired. Uh, d- had no idea what it wanted to do as a movie or a it genre or even with the mummy license. It, like I know what you're doing. It doing literally came that. and went with no. Oh yeah, well it literally the, it just tanked the whole dark it universe. Just came. Yeah, no, but the, the the thing about the movie when it, like during I I haven't seen it. I all I know from it from its reputation, aside from what critics have been saying, is the fact that it was in theaters and that it wasn't in theaters, and yeah, you didn't much. hear boo about it either way. That's it was like, just like okay, that is literally yeah. the review of the movie. It, the only thing is that like that's only true in North America. Okay. It made a fortune that's overseas. True. Of course, so there could well be more. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I thought oh, I heard dear. projections was that they sh- they were they were shutting down the dark universe because uh, it wasn't viable. They were they they were trying, they they want to retool, but it's not. Uh, yeah, and they they have like halted production on what they were working on, but it wasn't so bad as okay. that they're gonna not do yeah, that that's anymore. Fair. Sadly, the saddest thing I heard about that was uh, in an interview with Guillermo del Toro recently talking about the shape of water. He they said they contacted him sometime after Pacific Rim and asked him if he wanted to do mm-hmm. all the Universal monsters, oh, and he turned it down. And that's, that's a real bummer. Oh yeah, yeah. That's... yeah, um, yeah. And then probably, I guess, for, I guess probably the worst thing I saw, because I guess this is only four movies for me, but I guess I could include the boss baby in there. It was good ideas, sure. bad execution. Yeah. Um, mm. Probably Despicable Me 3, I think it was probably the worst movie I saw this year. Yeah, sure. I managed to avoid like, seeing that one. I, I, you know, they, again, it's like, it's not like these movies are completely devoid of some good ideas. Like, um, what was his name? I think it was a... Uh, Benjamin Bratt or something, what, uh, whoever uh, Trey Parker was playing, the villain. Sure. Um, yeah. He was pretty good. He had a decent story, but it's like this, it's just like there's so much crap going on in this movie and it's constantly cutting away to like different characters whose stories aren't interesting. Like they focus on the daughters too much and it's like they're not, and it's not like they're, they're bad characters, but they have nothing to do in these movies and like, um, the, like Gru's wife too is just not funny or interesting. Like her, it was just a movie that didn't have to be made. It really didn't. Like, it, like 
I wasn't really on board for Despicable uh, Despicable Me two. Like you know, I accepted it, but like it really didn't need to exist. But you know, and then yeah. like you can kind of tell like they just kept like even like with the minions like they just kept forcing them into scenes they didn't need to be in just because it's like hey people like minions right you know the fact that they, they it was such a lazy movie that they they're on the third movie and they're already doing the Gru has a twin brother thing like just it's like they 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 jumped the shark hard on this one yeah no, it, it just it Fair was enough. angry yeah. Sure. yeah how about you brendan all right so or yeah, Phil. Phil, that's oh, yeah. Phil. yeah, you go, Phil. Okay, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, really, off the top of my head, um, uh, the Emoji Movie oh, yeah. was really horrible. Okay. Um, that was just yeah, that was just insulting, better. and I was just insulting, and like was so clearly uh, like driven by the apps and and services <laughs> that paid to be in the movie more than any sort of screenplay, and it, and it was just an, an yeah, it was just an embarrassing insult for everybody. Um, but I mean, like we knew that from the title, but somehow the movie was worse. And, uh, the, the other one that I really hated was the snowman, uh, (laughs) that, uh, the detective movie with Michael Fassbender, where the director, when he was going, who made, uh, the original, let the right one in when he was going around promoting it, kept apologizing and saying he ran out of time filming the movie and didn't have (laughs) enough footage. Um, and it's just, okay. The concept of the snowman seems like it could have been a good movie at the, the very least, or at least a movie that would get like camp value later on. Oh yeah. 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 Like it was definitely pleasurably bad to watch. Like I would recommend people watch it to laugh at it for sure. It's crazy. And there's huge <laughs> leaps that don't make sense. And Val Kilmer's in it. And it appears as though someone dubbed over his voice who <laughs> yeah. may or may not be Val Kilmer. And it's just, it's, 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 it's so insane on so many levels. Um, but it is also a mess and a disaster. So it's got to be in there. And, uh, I saw this one, uh, like Christian exploitation movie called the shack that starred, uh, uh, Sam Worthington, the guy from avatar Okay, about, a, it was about, he plays a guy who's, uh, like four, either four or five year old daughter is kidnapped and murdered by a child murderer. And the movie is about him going to the woods to try and kill the child murderer, and then instead being visited by angels and deciding he's got to uh, he's got to forgive the uh, person that murdered his child. <laughs> what? Okay. And, um, the plot, the twist. Like, I the killer they, was Jesus. Yeah, I could see what they were going for, but it's just like so offensive to because yeah, forgiveness is important and everything, but like child killers, I'm I'm like fine with like us just like yeah, that's that where class you draw of the people line, not right? being forgiven. And like, I don't care how many angels make me run a clock, run across a lake barefoot. I'm just not going to come around on that issue. <laughs> so I may have just been me being a stickler, but that was a rough one. And then uh, Fifty Shades means... Darker. Oh, God. <laughs> Fifty Shades Darker. You're saying all these movies that forgot even came out this year. Uh, it, is, it was like now, again, like the snowman, like I, I'm genuinely like really excited to see the third Fifty Shades of Grey movie <laughs> uh, because like they, they are un, they're just unbelievably horrible <laughs> and it just excites me to go and see what they've done like the thing was I remember distinctly sitting in Fifty Shades Darker and it like clicking them up thinking like boy like the original one was actually like kind of well put together <laughs> relative to this and like anything that could make me think that that just says yeah a lot no of kidding <laughs> 
And yeah, this there was one part in this where like they actually set up an exciting moment where the like the like uh, mysterious bondage love interest uh, has a plane gets in a plane crash. And I was like, oh, fantastic. So he'll have to like claw his way back and and we'll see a plane crash and this will be exciting. But no, he was just like, oh, no, the plane's going to crash. And then they cut away <laughs> to the apartment where she's really sad. And then he shows up and he's like, I'm OK. It was rough, but I'm fine. <laughs> and you're just sort of like, come on. So, yeah, these movies are just inc- they're just yeah, it's just incompetent, but it's magically <laughs> awful. And uh, yeah, so I and yeah, I can't wait for Fifty Shades Freed coming in a couple of weeks. Oh, good. And uh, How is and, then the, and then the other one that they come up quickly again eh? oh yeah they well, well yeah they really made the cost last a lot two. to produce like there's no they, they made the last two back to back okay and also like i as horrible as these movies are and i truly think they are god awful um they are responsible for bringing back r-rated uh movies being r-rated blockbusters being a thing Fair if point. the first yeah. 50 shades of gray had much money as it made there'd be no deadpool there'd be yeah. none of this Fair stuff point. so you, I, I give them credit for that alone Plus, they're just hilarious to watch because they're so incompetent. Yeah. And finally, uh, the other, again, uh, guilty pleasure bad movie would have to be Transformers The Last Night. Oh, the one where we found out that the Transformers were secretly responsible for writing the works of Shakespeare and uh, <laughs> all of Stephen Hawking's thoughts. Wasn't Bumblebee and, fighting uh, they were involved with the Knights of the Round Table? Yeah, everything you can imagine. It was just, and, and Anthony Hopkins said it all, which made it even harder to watch. And uh, it was, yeah, like the, I mean, you know, it's no shock to say that a Michael Bay Transformers movie was bad, but this is the like just sheer desperation they had to keep this franchise going and to try and come up with ways to not only justify this horrible hunk of garbage, but set up an additional series of sequels that I guess are about like Shakespeare and the Transformers or what have you is just, uh, it's just a nightmare. And um, I'm just, I'm just grateful that for the first time uh, a Transformers movie didn't make more money than the previous Transformers movie. And that God willing, they may slow this thing down, but who knows people love those Transformers. Um, But yeah, this was um, I, I, yeah, like I, I truly, truly, truly despised Transformers the last night, but at the same time, I recommend it just because you won't believe what's happening from start to finish. It was, yeah, no, I, I kind of gave up on the franchise after the first one. Yeah. So I can't, yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> so getcha. I can understand. All right. I can understand. I, I want to I bring up uh, one or two more just and then we can wrap up if that's okay with Lisa. Mm-hmm. I, fine. Fine. I don't have an opinion. Actually, if it's okay with Lisa. End of the podcast. There's, there was actually one before. Uh, I just, I completely forgot. And I feel like it deserves just a little special, like a special nod. Uh, not a bad movie, but like, did we forget that Split came out this year? Did it? Yeah. Cause Split was really no, I good. I, I, yeah. I like Split. Which was a Split? Split was the one. That was the one, the, the the one with James McAvoy that was the Unbreakable. Oh sequel. yeah, that came out this year. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I just want, I just want, I just feel like it deserved it a nod. Okay. Anyway, I do want to bring up. Thanks, Jason. All right, Brendan. I do want to bring up uh, Bright. Oh god, that was bad. That was mine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't ruin it. But anyway. It yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I, I'm not. I'm not going to Don't, watch it. No. Okay, it's, Brendan. It's, it's, why Bright? Well, for obvious reasons, but the storyline makes literally no sense, like at all. I feel they didn't give enough context to anything that's going on in the movie to make you care about anyone. There's no one redeemable. It's super racist in the <laughs> worst possible ways. It was produced by what Trigger? Oh, Trigger, trigger Warning, warning Entertainment. <laughs> yes. Oh fuck me! Sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a thing. It happened. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what did like fairy la- uh, fairy lives don't matter? Oh, that, was that, that was in the trailer, and that even made me cringe. Oh, it was. I mean, like every point of this movie. Okay, I'm gonna be completely honest. I was watching this movie while I was trying to do something else, and I, like I kept every time I turned to the screen. I mean, there was it was like a something new was happening, uh, but nothing really changed, so it wasn't exactly hard to follow while you were doing something else, and. Everything that happened was just so like every time I looked at the screen, I cringed so hard because it was always just yeah between that uh, fairy lives matter don't matter don't matter uh, line and like everything that happened when every any elf was on the scene like it was just oh, I, yeah, the I, random elves coming out of Ferraris yeah oh oh and the thug orcs towards yeah. the end oh yeah those the thug great. ghetto orcs towards the end was oh. just like oh the biker orcs the biker orcs and it was just like. I don't, I don't know what, I, I get what you're trying to say with this. It's just, this is no. But also they had all these concepts that they kind of kept bringing up at, throughout the show or the movie that like blooded or the evil one, like uh, this group and whatever, but they didn't give the context for that to make any sense. Like they just had to have a single line. It's just assumed that everyone knows. knew what this world was like. And I'm like, I don't, I, I, does that mean he just hasn't? Like reach manhood? Do I mean what does being blooded mean in this world? It didn't explain to the end. We're like, oh, okay, that's what it means. Some, a few other orcs cut their hands. They become blood brothers. Sure, why not? Wish they just said that earlier. Like anywhere, or and then they had wands in this universe are basically like weapons of mass destruction or biological weapons on the level of how they deal with them. So people see a wand, everyone fights over each other to get it. And so much so, there's an entire special unit of the feds, which are kind of like the FBI, but they are elves and a fat white dude. I don't know. It made no sense. Yeah, I was just... Like, I'm trying to describe it, but it's it really... Someone took it's Lord like... of the Rings and Training Day, threw the pages against a wall, put it together in a random order, and said, we have a movie. And Not just someone, Max Landis did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> credit for credit so I also heard that it's, isn't that getting a, it already got renewed for a sequel. It's getting a sequel, but no, but no Max, Max Landis, Landis is not involved whatsoever. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this monstrosity on screen. It couldn't be much worse. It, it really could. I couldn't figure a way to make a more nonsensical movie. If I tried, I, I thought about like, what if you just made cut these scenes out? But there's no scenes of explanation. There's no scenes of why anyone's doing what they're doing. People just randomly killing each other for no reason. So whatever, sure, sure, why not? Sure, it's a thing. Yeah, that's all I have to say. That's it's, all. It's, I- it's one of the worst movies I've seen all year, other than. No, no, I'm going to put it out there. It's probably the worst movie I've seen in 2017. Well, what were you going to say was going to replace it? Well, I was thinking, um, like. A few other like um I'm surprised we haven't mentioned Justice what League it? yet. What'd you say? But what'd you say? I'm surprised we haven't mentioned Justice League yet. Well, I because seen it. it wasn't the like worst movie ever made. It was just like shockingly forgettable and useless. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. It was like yeah. I I mean, I have to say, I've like I was trying to come up with my list of worst and uh it's just like even the bad movies, they're just they're so unforgettable. You mean forgettable. They're, for, they're so forgettable that it's just like it's not even thank you for correcting. I appreciate it. Like I, I couldn't even 
make a list of like worst movies. Everything I thought was bad this year actually came out the year before. Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's just not, I don't know. It's just, uh, in, in the fact that we were able to pull out just like a couple of like unredeemable movies. Yeah. Totally like waste of celluloid. Yeah, in mm. just like, that's about it. The fact that that was pretty, it's, it, it was, yeah. I mean, like even the non the unforgettable the forgettable ones are just that that's pretty much their only yeah. problem you know it's kind of yeah so well uh, anybody else have anything else they want to add to that list we good uh I mean there's other stuff but I, that's fine <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of good there's plenty a lot of, of horrible things but okay I mean well, we, we want to go down to fa- uh was it um what was that Christian found a uh, Netflix uh, competitor. The Christian Netflix. What's uh, it called? Pure Flix. Flix Pure Flix. You want to go down that road? It's all gold. <laughs> oh man! You yeah, know what? Yeah. We could. God's not dead. There, there were so many. Is that out? No, it doesn't exist yet. But it probably will eventually. Yeah, it probably will. Oh I, you said that. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, they, they had a quick <laughs> Twitter out of that one. Okay, so... This is the world we live in. I'm wrapping this podcast up before we go down that deep dark hole of, of pure purely. Oh God! Well, thanks guys for your your thoughts, and uh, thanks to everyone who's listening. And if you like what you hear or you want to hear more about the things that we talked about, please visit us at cgmagonline.com. You can like and subscribe to our podcast on Buttons Podcast Network, Apple, iTunes, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can follow us on Facebook at CG Magazine, on Instagram at CG Mag Online, and on Twitter at CG Mag Online. Uh, guys, y'all want to plug your Twitters? B four twenty six. Phil, go. Phil. <laughs> okay, I was waiting for Jordan being polite because I got him <laughs> on last time. Uh, it's at that Phil Brown. Well, I was being polite. I was letting Phil go first. <laughs> mine's at ninja jordan underscore and i'm at lisa awesome with no ease uh you can catch previous episodes of pixels and ink on youtube so please like and subscribe to our channel you can also check out some of our let's plays and some other cool vids that we have going on there thanks again to buns podcast network and comic bento for sponsoring our podcast and from everyone at cg magazine have a great weekend